Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I'm joined by Nadine from Belfast as we are talking about boundaries, about saying the word no and about really prioritising our own time and mental health. That's a great conversation that goes off in lots of different directions, but it's really honest and really enjoyable and really helps make you contemplate about what it is that you are prioritising in your life just now. Nadine, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I know, and we've not seen each other. We think it was about three years ago when we met in Belfast. So it's lovely to be seeing you again on Zoom here. Tell us a wee bit about you. Uh, So you and I connected really through the Institute of Fundraising. I had invited you over to Belfast to be our plenary speaker for our annual conference. Uh, so um, fundraiser, fundraiser by trade, like most people fell into fundraising, had a private, had a, a career in the private sector, working in London and Manchester and Scotland, all over really. And then when I moved home, um, worked in the charity sector and I've just kind of stayed there. And to be honest with you, uh, in my day job, I'm head of fundraising and comms for a premature baby charity called Tiny Life in Belfast. Yeah, Absolutely love it. Have a great team around me really supportive chief executive and the supportive senior leadership team and they really just now starting to kind of re-emerge out of out of COVID and, <laughs> and rebuild because that's that's basically what we're trying to do um private life pretty sociable of a close-knit group of friends love sea swimming took mm-hmm. that up over COVID like most people did mm-hmm. and you'll generally find me running about doing stuff and then I, I sit on a couple of boards as well in the, in the spare time but yeah Aye. yeah pretty uh, busy. pretty busy life Aye. life is busy I can't wait to hear then Nadine what do you know for sure what do I know for sure? I was thinking about this last night, right? And I was dropping my 10-year-old stepson off to school this morning. And I said to him, James, what do you know for sure? And he said, what do I know for sure? The peanuts are in peanut butter. And I thought, okay, right. Well, do you know what? I, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And then I asked him, but what else do you know for sure? And he said, Christmas Day is the best day of the year. And I said, mm-hmm. I completely agree with you on that one. But um, I was thinking about it for me, and I suppose for me, what the last kind of 18 months has, has kind of taught me is that boundaries are so important. Mm. That's definitely one thing that I've taken for granted in the past. I would have always been a, oh, do you want to come to this networking event? Yes, I'll be there. Oh, can you help me out with this? I'm writing a CV. Would you be able to give me half an hour of your time? Yes, no problem. Whereas now I definitely know for sure that saying the word no and actually having boundaries is really important not only for me in terms of my own time management and I suppose mental health as well, but also for to make sure that I can actually give the time to those that really need me and to know that it's okay to say no. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, if you can't help somebody there and then, the likelihood is they're going to go and ask somebody else anyway. Uh-huh. And not to have that guilt, you know, not to have that guilt that we all have whenever we're we're not, we're unable to help, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's something about if you can't help them, maybe it's something they've got to do themselves as well. I think mm-hmm. that's a really, you know, and I was speaking to my daughter actually last night about how I was saying, you know, no as a full sentence doesn't need to be followed by anything. It was about our work giving her too many shifts. And it's just, it's an interesting walk to go on when you start to say no to things. So... Was that something you weren't good at before this realisation that you've had? 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, I'd lived in England for 13 years and moved home nearly 10 years ago now. And, you know, when you're moving back to Northern Ireland, it's not that big, you know, but it is a case of, you know, it's people connect with like-minded people and it's about building those networks. And for me, that was really important when I first moved home. You know, I realised it was changed my career out of marketing and comms into more fundraising so this was a new sector for me if you like so I really made an effort in terms of networking and making connections with like-minded people and obviously then you know with being new to a city as well you inevitably make new friends and connections and I think as well you get involved with that many things that you don't really take time out to actually sit and think and reflect and say well hang on a minute what is it that I want to do? What is it that I am really passionate about? What is actually taking up my time? And there's a friend of mine actually said this to me a few years ago, you know, fountains and drains. So hang about with people who bring something to your life as a, and get rid of the people who drain the life out of you. Mm. And we all know that drain, you know, the phone rings and you look at it and instead of being, you know, oh, I'm going to be chatting to them in ages, you go, oh God. <laughs> and I think that, and I've listened to a few of your podcasts and I think there is a common theme there in terms of everybody's taking this opportunity now to uh, to reflect and, and kind of concentrate on what it is that they want to put their time and effort into. And to be honest with you, I've actually relished being able to slow down Aye, you know, me too. just sit down and, and have a book and, and read and listen to podcasts and, and actually go out and just doing like 10 minutes, 15 minute walk at the end of the day or doing a, a live workout or, or whatever it is, because, you know, life is so precious. And I'm not saying that I'm brilliant at it. Like last night I was at a chairs meeting last night until eight o'clock and got home and didn't have time to eat a proper dinner so you know sitting there eating I think I made myself like a a sandwich or something at eight o'clock at night you know I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've sorted it all out and that's another thing I know for sure is that you're never going to have it all but you'll have some of it at some time and it's just about being comfortable with feeling uncomfortable sometimes you have to go through difficult situations to get to the point where you feel comfortable with something exactly Um, exactly and I suppose you know I turned 40 in December last year as well so now that I've turned 40 I'm just like you know what I can't be bothered with that I think 40 is a watershed it was when I was 40 I decided never to wear uncomfortable shoes again actually (laughs) but what I'm interested in because we are both fundraisers that's been our careers and therefore saying no not being a people pleaser which is sort of what you're talking about that we are just people pleasers and yeah. it's hard to not turn up for people when they ask you to. But actually, in your professional career, it's very hard not to be a people pleaser because basically that's what a fundraiser is. You just have to make pals with lots of people, do the things they ask you to do and hope that they'll give you money in return for your cause. Do you find that therefore hard to balance? Because while you can say no in private life, it's maybe a bit harder in your professional life. Are you balancing that yet? I mean, I think that's a valid question. And to be honest with you, I've probably been quite fortunate that I've never really had to be in the position to say no to, mm-hmm. to, to in a fundraising situation. I mean, if anything, I've probably learned over the years in the work capacity to be to be quite efficient with my time because, you know, you weigh it up, you know, you know, you know yourself. Um, you've been in fundraising for years. You know the people who are not necessarily going to bring the returns that you need 
And nurses, you know, you might think, look, that man's rang us, that person's called us three times. He says he's doing X, Y, and Z. You go out and you meet them, you have a cup of tea, you have a cup of coffee, whatever. You get to know them, you get to meet them. And then they say they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And actually nothing comes off of it. And I think as a fundraiser, it's like, well, hang on a minute, you know, we need to manage this relationship. And also it's about then, okay, well, let's set some boundaries. So Mm -hmm. in a work capacity, in terms of the fundraising side of things, there was times, yes, when you think, do you know what, just do it because we'll mm-hmm. just get the money in and that's it. And then there's other times when you do, you have to set those boundaries. But yeah. I think because I'm quite strict with my time and work, it never really was that much of a problem. It was more the kind of personal life, networking, you know, the kind of extracurriculum activities, I suppose you could say, you know, all yeah. of that. You know, I don't have... I don't have FOMO anymore. I have jo- joy. What is it? JOMO? I, joy of missing out. Yeah. I, 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 love it. I have that yeah. too now. I definitely have that too now. I also wanted to take you back to something you said, which I think is very wise. Is like you're never going to have it all. Is something you said just a few minutes ago. Yeah. How do you reflect on that in your life? Because I totally agree. You can't have it all and you can't be everything to everyone. So at some point you need to just pick what is it I want and who do I want to be. But how has that turned out in your life, that sort of acceptance of a can of, you know, you're saying you're 40, it is a bit of a watershed in all of our lives, I think, being 40, because there's like before 40 and after 40, you feel like a grown-up once you're 40, don't you? And <laughs> it takes that yeah. long, who knew it takes that long? But do you reflect now about the things that you're you're not going to have and be all right about it? Um, I mean, I would definitely say that I'm probably more aware of looking ahead to the future, you know, sitting there thinking, okay, maybe I need to look at my pension pot, maybe I need to look at this, you know, is my life insurance up to date, you know, that kind of, I do feel like I'm now adulting, which is, you know, I'm now looking at certain aspects of my life that perhaps I just didn't think of. And I think in my head, I'm still, in my head, I'm still in my twenties, you know, I don't feel, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm any older than what I was the day before I turned 40, you know, but definitely my outlook, my outlook has changed. And, and that is, it's a little bit scary too, because you have a, an almost like a, I suppose an awareness that shit, yeah, I'm forty. I'm getting old. You know, I'm older. What happens if I die? Or oh, what happens? You know, what happens to people? Elite? Do you know, you do have a bit more of a, a sense of okay. And I'm dreading menopause and perimenopause and all that that comes with it because I just think, oh Jesus, great, yeah. <laughs> what's that going to be like? What's that yeah, what's that going to be like? You know, um, you know, thanks. Uh-huh. Thanks, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And see, at the very start, when you were talking about that, having the power to say no now and things like that, and you talked about prioritising your own time and your own mental health. Mm. So how is that different now, do you think? For me, in my previous job, I would have got migraines quite a bit. I would have always got migraines, and I and I suppose I just thought it was like, well, I just get migraines, whereas now... Because I took seven months out before I actually started full-time working again last December uh, when I finished up with my previous employers, I realised actually, no, it's not normal to have migraines every month in the day. You were obviously not looking after yourself properly, you know, whether that was through, you know, working and and just, just running about, being too busy all the time. Whereas now because, you know, we were all forced into a situation where we had to stop I'm now more aware of the signs that I need to eat regularly. You know, don't be skipping your lunch or or at the end of the day, even if you even if it's only going out for ten minutes and walking, 
just to feel that 10 minutes of fresh air on your face and you know you feel your shoulders drop and you're a bit more relaxed and you know for me that's just really important because I've, I've I've understood now that it isn't just the case of, oh, you just get migraines. I was actually causing the migraines myself, you know, mm-hmm. because I wasn't being self-aware. Aye. And I think it's so interesting because, I mean, I do get migraines, but obviously that's on the other side of a brain injury. But, like, you know, who I base myself on, Oprah. And she would talk yeah. about how life gives you a wee chat. And it tells you when you're doing something wrong and when the chat gets louder and it gets louder and it becomes a crash and a bang. And we can take that on board or not and put it in different things in our life. But it's like those migraines were that we chap on the head, weren't they? You say, you're yeah. right, you're not doing this right. Yeah. So do you, do you, have they gone now? Have the migraines gone now that you're prioritising yourself and your own well-being more? Do you know what? I had one I had one about a week ago and I knew that it was coming on and I just ignored the signs and continued working, continued sitting there working away, hadn't eaten, blah, 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 and I could feel the signs coming. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stop in a week, stop in a week second. And I didn't. And I had it for about four days, probably. And I, I soldiered through, because of course you do, as, as best you can. But then I actually thought to myself, no, Nadine. You need to listen to yourself here. That that was, you know, as you say, that was the wee tap coming and, and knocking and telling me. And actually, I was meant to meet with a friend of mine on Sunday. She'd asked me some, for some advice because she's looking to join a board here locally in Northern Ireland. And she wanted, she says, oh, I wanted to have a chat to you about it. And I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. That's grand. And I actually texted her on Sunday morning. I said, you know what? I'm actually just going to be honest with you and say, no, I'm not going to meet with you today because I really, but a long week, I want to just... I just don't want to have to get up, have make an effort, and and be. I just need time by myself. You know, I just need to like decompress. And my partner, we didn't have my steps on that day either. So I thought, well, you know what? It's very rare that we have a day to ourselves. Let's just go out for the day, the two of us. And um, and I could have texted her and, and lied and said, oh, I've got a headache or I'm not really feeling great or the weather's bad or whatever. But I just was honest with her and said, you know what, Nadine, thanks for your honesty. I completely understand whenever you've got a child-free day, you might as well take the, take, you know, make the most of it. And it was actually quite liberating because I thought, oh, yeah. I think there's something great. beautiful about that, that if you're actually just honest, yeah. people just appreciate that. And you almost gave her permission the next time somebody asks her something and she's not got the room for it or the space for it to say, actually, I can't just now, I will help you with it, but I can't do it on your time scale." It only yeah. to be another time. Very liberating, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was, because I was a bit um and on about whether to send the message or not send the message or what to say. And it was a bit, you know, you feel that bit of anxiety and, you know, with the pity of your stomach and you feel like you're letting somebody down. And I just said, look, you know, I'm happy to have a chat over the phone, but I see all this going out and getting dressed. It's just like Sunday morning. I just want to chill out. I don't want to be on a time scale, you know, sometimes. And then I think as well, you just need to, um, and sea swimming has been great. Like I, I've been doing sea swimming now since about last September time. I think we started doing it. And I actually do it with two of my cousins. And like I wouldn't have really seen my cousins from one day to the next. But we've all now meet. We all now meet up and we've extended different friends and met different friends. And the amount of women that you meet who are out sea swimming and the benefits that they're actually talking about it. And and actually older women who you know are saying, you know, my children are grown up and. You know, they're not really, they don't really need me anymore. And, you know, come and now see swimming. I've met all of you. And the guy, mm. I've, 
Like we had a we have a wee swimming group or WhatsApp groups called the Nomads because we just go to different beaches around Northern Ireland. You know, we don't necessarily mm-hmm. go to one beach. And the oldest person in our group is eighty six. And I think I I think I might be I think I am the youngest, yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest one there. So it ranges you've got women who are in their fifties, women who are in their sixties, and um you've got men in their fifties as well. And you know, the eighty three year old like He's he, he he glides like he is a part of a gliding club, so he's just like you know, and I was like, come on now, Gerald, come on into the water, don't you be standing too long, make sure you're okay, and like mm-hmm. you're sitting on the beach and having a fire pit, and you know it's just great, like mm-hmm. it's just a shame that it took a blooming worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. to get us out and actually appreciate nature. You I know? know, I know, and you talked about, and I loved it, the fountains and the drains. Do you feel as if you've got you've managed to move along some of the dreams that were in your life? Well, there's a there's a saying, what is it? You have friends for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. Yeah. And I would say I've lost a couple of friends that I'm conscious of. And one of the, I'm probably still processing one or two that we've just kind of like fell out of contact and and I'm there, it doesn't sit well with me because I'm like, oh, I really, I really feel like I need to text them. But then I'm like, well, they haven't texted you, and do you know? Then I'm thinking, do I need to have a conversation with them? But then I'm thinking, but maybe we just don't have anything in common anymore, do you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the, I think it's the key, and also as well, like I don't work really and I don't really go out that much anymore, and I'm not really a big drinker anymore. And you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get to the point where you're like, look, I really want to go to that, but I'm going to drive. And just drink non-alcoholic beer because actually the next day I don't want to wake up and feel like crap. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So I've made that as a bit of a my own life choice, and obviously that doesn't fit in with some other people because they like to go out and mm. party. Right? By ten o'clock, I'm like, right, well, I'm done. See you all later. You know? <laughs> anybody, that, you know, anybody that wants to left home, come with me now. Uh-huh. Or uh huh. Speaking to you, it sounds like you're finding your way through to a much better place. Does it feel like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was, look, um, I was a career climber. You know, as soon as I left university, I was, right, I need to get a graduate recruitment job or a graduate, you know, and a graduate um, leadership scheme. You know, I was like, that's what the university says we have to do. So, of course, I was like, well, I have to, I have to do that. And worked for a big, you know, large global PLC company and, you know, worked all over different parts of the UK and just moved around different jobs internally I was very I was very um fortunate that I had those opportunities but I made those opportunities I was going to say I was very lucky but I don't think it comes down to luck I think it comes down to your own determination um and your own hard work and it was interesting because when I did my dissertation at university I actually did it on charities and I was offered a job back in the day with one of the larger charities and it was uh take that job in London or take the job in Birmingham which is where I I studied and um, I took the job locally in Birmingham because it meant I didn't need to move down to London at that stage London was like a big scary place you know and the salary wasn't as good and I thought no I'll just stay here with my mates and you know we're on decent salary and everything and Mm -hmm. you know don't really need to move then Um, but I knew that I would always work in the charity sector I always knew I'd go into the charity sector at some stage I didn't know what I would do in the charity sector but I knew that that's where my kind of natural you know I wanted to work for a cause something I was passionate about to make a difference so when I had my job in a hospice before I moved home to Northern Ireland 
I knew that I wanted to stay within the charity sector at that point. And I just turned 30, actually, before I moved home. So again, a milestone birthday in that sense. So I think it's just about, you know, I, I met up with some friends in England, actually, in July. We hadn't seen each other in a while, my old uni mates. And I was sitting listening to them. One was going through quite a difficult time at work. She was off on sick leave. The other one works in the NHS, so you can imagine what that's been like for her. And then the other girl, you know, she's, I, I love her. She's just like, nothing faces her. She's just like, you know, she's like, ah, oh, sure, go to work, I do my job, and that's it. You know, like, she's mm-hmm. she's everything that you actually want to be, you know, in that right. respect. Um, and I came away and I thought, you know what, Nadine, you're doing all right. Right. you're doing okay you've done all right for yourself like you know you're not you know you always have a wee bit of imposter syndrome when you meet with your mates don't you mm. you know and when you you know you're like oh you've done so well for yourself and I actually came away from that and I thought no do you know what I'm all right with how I'm doing right. I'm on the right track you know so you feeling positive about the future then Nadine oh yeah 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 I just I think it's about not taking things personally like there's a lot of you know, when you're in a position, whether you're sitting on a board or you, you know, are in a position of senior leadership within an organisation, there's obviously difficult conversations need to be had, and sometimes you need to have challenging conversations. That, you know, um, I was talking to you about Boardroom Apprentice, and one of the women who actually started, the lady who started Boardroom Apprentice here in Northern Ireland, Eileen Mullen, great woman, she always said to us, "You need to start being comfortable with feeling uncomfortable." Mm-hmm. And it's having those uncomfortable conversations that actually that's where the real change happens. But equally, sometimes those uncomfortable conversations happen in places that you don't necessarily want to have them. But you do need to stand up for yourself as well. You know, I would have been very much, oh, don't rock the boat, you know, on the ground. Whereas now I'm thinking, no, do you know what? That's not right. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with it. And it's about having, you know, it's like you said, um, we had a chat before we recorded. It's about having, you just have the confidence in yourself, you know, which you, you kind of just have the confidence and you realise not everybody's going to like you. Exactly. And I say you often know, in things, you can say difficult things in a kind way and everybody feels better after truth has been spoken. I really do think everybody feels better on the other side of truth. <laughs> yeah, I had a boss so, actually whenever I worked in the private sector in London. She was one of the youngest directors ever to her. She, she had a company and they sold the company to the organization that I worked for. And she was one of the youngest directors that they'd ever, ever had. And this was a, quite a, a male dominated industry that we worked in. And she actually said to me, She said, Nadine, I'll give you one piece of advice for your career. She said, You will work with people and you will manage people that not everybody likes you. And that is just something that, see, as soon as you just accept that, she goes, that's the one less thing that you need to worry about. 100%. We don't like, I don't like everybody, so how can I expect everybody to like me? It doesn't make sense to not want everybody to like you, because none of us like everybody. No, and also I think as women as well, you know, like I would be very kind of clued in the you know, like Lean In and Cheryl Sandberg and, you know, women supporting women and peer-to-peer support and such like. And, you know, you see a woman and she's being assertive and, oh, she's bossy. Aye. You know, it's about changing the language that they're using around that. And and it's mm-hmm. not about, you know, we're here bashing men on the head saying, well, we're going to take over, going to take over the world. It's not about that. It's just about being heard. And it's about, you know, I try and make the point when I'm in a meeting that if I hear a female member of staff saying something, and especially if you've got a lot of males in the room, that you're amplifying that female voice and you're picking up on what the females say because, you know, men 
don't necessarily do that. Mm. And I think that that's why it's, you know, we need to be allies to one another. But also you need to call out bad behaviour when bad behaviour happens. 100% we do. We've got a duty. We've got a duty. You know, whether it's a woman or a man or whoever, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to, you know, you're not going to be able to, you can't sit back and say, well, actually, you know, hmm, I understand where you're coming from. However, let's all reflect on our behaviour and, you know, that's that's just the, it can be challenging at times, but there's there's times whenever you just need to switch off. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's been such a good conversation. I feel as if we've covered a lot of stuff in the last 20 odd minutes. Thank you so much for joining me, Nadine. No, thank you very much for having me on and have a good weekend. You too. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.